Hi, welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 37 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. Well, it's a grey and rather chilly April day outside the pod studio today, so I thought I would look back to some cosier times last year. After our 2011 conference, I took speaker Susan Collins on a mini-tour of north-east Scotland to visit some of the megalithic sites up there and the Findhorn community. Now, as part of the trip, we had arranged to stay with BSD member Simon Wheeler and give a talk about dowsing to members of his local dowsing group, and it turned out to be a very pleasant evening. Uh, Now, this is a longer-than-usual episode, and the reason for that is quite deliberate. Uh, I may have mentioned that I am going to be presenting at both the Canadian Society of Questers and the Canadian Society of Dowsers conferences next month, which means that I will be out of the country for the entire month of May so there probably won't be a show next month. I mean, it's just possible that I might manage to upload a podcast while I'm in Canada, but I rather think that there will be more interesting activities vying for my attention. Uh, But don't worry, I'll be sure to record any interesting stuff that I come across for future episodes. So now, before our main event, let's have a quick look at the news. Well, planning for this year's BSD conference is in full swing, and the preliminary details are now listed on the main website at BritishDowsers.org. Once again, we are being hosted by the Royal Agricultural College in Cirencester in the heart of the Cotswolds, and confirmed speakers so far include Dr. Jude Curravan, former BSD president Dr. Patrick McManaway, Marilyn Devonish, Robin Heath, Billy Gaughan, Peter Knight, David Leesley and Faye Palmer. As usual, we'll be running workshops on a wide variety of topics. Uh, we have Earth Energies, Archaeology, I Ching Astrology, Healing, Numerology, Technopathic Stress, Extra Retinal Perception, Water Dowsing, Animal Navigation, and the list is still growing. And on Saturday evening, we have an audiovisual extravaganza, an ancient ambient chill-out disco run by Peter Knight, which sounds absolutely unmissable, if somewhat difficult to pronounce. And uh, more workshops and speakers are still being added to the mix. There's still some months to go, but already it's looking like another great conference and the dowsing event of the year. So if you haven't been to a BSD conference before, you're in for a real treat. Conference is such an opportunity to share ideas with new people, all of whom are very open to the wonderful broad range of interest that dowsing inspires. Delegates are very welcoming, and you don't need to feel that you have to be a very able dowser to attend, but you will leave filled with inspiration, great hope, and mind-blowing new ways of fine-tuning your dowsing, and of course, lots of new friends. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, I'm Helen Lamb and I'm the Membership Services Manager at the British Society of Dowsers. Uh, Something that you may not know about me, as well as wanting to be rather better as a dowser, my one passion is to learn to play the piano accordion. And you're listening to Adventures in Dowsing from the British Society of Dowsers. Thank you for being here. Um, This is meant to be informal, so... Um, but I, 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 I should be sitting down and some of you I know are part of what I somewhat ostentatiously call FEED, the Forres Elgin Environs Dowsing Group. Um, so that's one reason for being here, but 
Jenny, uh, sorry, Jenny is part of the group. Davy is from Aberdeenshire. Another yes. group. Looks especially named He's from another group, but he's very welcome. Davy's group. Angus is, is from the group, but hasn't been part of the group. And William, you're very New welcome. Boy. Yes. New boy. And I hope you will join us. Yeah, I hope so, you'll join yeah. us. That'd, yeah. that'd be cool. Um, we're here, basically, Susan and Graham come up from conference and want to look at Flindhorn and very kindly said, well, we'll talk to people who are interested in dancing. No, you actually offered us a bed. Yeah. <laughs> that was the question. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and by the way. Um, <laughs> it's not a teaching session. It's just a, a session to chat and, and find out about dancing. And what I thought would be useful would be to give... Susan and Graham the brief of what it's like to be a professional dowser. Um, we are all as dowsers at different stages. I have not got a, much of a clue about what a professional dowser does and I thought that if they talk about life as a professional dowser it would raise all sorts of questions. We charge money. That makes us professional. Okay. <laughs> well there's, there's an interesting ethical thing to start with isn't no, it? No professional. Charge money. Okay. Um, it's like people who um, do psychic stuff and are mediums and people say, oh, but it's a gift, you shouldn't charge for it. And the answer to that is, I work at it, mm -hmm. I practice. I spend time at it. I spend time at it and therefore I am professional, therefore do I not have a right? I mean, anyway. Um, <laughs> so as you can see from this, we, we have an opportunity for sort of discussion. Um, Plus North American perspective and, and exactly. UK perspective. Yeah. So I don't want to be standing here talking. I want Graham and Susan to talk about life as a professional dancer. I don't know what they're going to say, but I think it's fair to say that feel free to stop them at any time and ask any question, even if you think it's a really stupid question. And I shall probably start us off on that. Um, about five minutes in. Um, is that reasonable? Yes, well, if yeah. you sit down and shut up. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I should start. Um, uh, I'm Graham, as you've been introduced. I should probably tell you how I got into dowsing, because uh, that's usually the first question most people ask. I guess, as most adolescents, I was always looking for something, or maybe not as most adolescents, but I was looking for something you know, uh, beyond the everyday life. I thought there had to be more to things that was apparent. And uh, reading lots of books that were coming out at the time, this was the sort of 70s, the sort of new age was just uh, dawning on us. And there was books that came along, like uh, John Michel's The New View, the, the View Over Atlantis, that was a big influence. Lots of other ones. Guy Underwood's The Pattern of the Past was about the first book I read on dowsing, I think. And then along came Tom Gray's uh, Needles of Stone, which kind of took all these sort of earth mystery stories that John Michel had been talking about put them into context with the sort of Neolithic mindset and you know, why we have all these stone circles and standing stones. And uh, this really resonated with me because I've always liked stone circles and stuff. And here was suddenly a reason for why all this, uh, this grid system, if you like, was here. So that's what really got me into dowsing. And I immediately raided my uh, wardrobe and uh, mutilated a pair of perfectly serviceable coat hangers, uh, made myself a pair of dowsing rods and uh, went out on my bike. Uh, How old were you by this time? Uh, I was probably about 20 by this time, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was lots of other searching in between, you know, as mm -hmm. I s said, coming up, I nearly joined the Moonies at one point, mm -hmm. <gasps> but we got over that. So yeah, I went out on my bike, went out to a, a, a Roman fort that's outside of Glasgow, uh, where they have a well, and I went and doused the waterline coming into this well. Sorry, can I interrupt you? You said you went out and doused, yeah. but 
Did you not have anybody to show you how to do this? How, no. you, you just did it from, just did from, it. from, from reading the thought? From the books. From so, the yeah, books. Thought, yeah, I can do this. Can you do it? I'm going to try. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, so I did. And the confirmation I got was when I followed what I had done is from as well, and I went kind of over the crest of the hill, and on the other side of the hill is a Roman bathhouse. And the line I was following came out at a little outlet in the bank. So I thought, okay, well, I'm obviously picking something up here. So, yeah, this works. So I uh, played around with it for a bit, but then uh, I didn't really want to make a career as a, a water dowser. Uh, by this point, I was at drama college, and I went into uh, theatre as a lighting designer. And uh, after that, I would use the pendulum, mostly just for a bit of uh, sort of divinationary, you know, yes-no kind of thing. I was quite into reading tarot cards at the time, uh, quite into I Ching as well. But I would use the pendulum as, uh, in conjunction with the tarot spread to pick out significant cards and things you know, that needed uh, more interpretation. That sort of thing. So, sort of fairly lightweight, I guess. Uh, for about uh, oof, 20, 25 years after that, didn't do much more than that, really. Uh, life got in the way, you know, interest went in other directions. Uh, I was busy in theatre, like lots of touring. Uh, I, mean, I still work in theatre, I still work as a lighting designer. I did lots of touring. I was with Scottish Ballet for many years, so you know, you're on the road at least six months of the year. I was doing the lighting with Scottish Ballet. Yeah, doing the lighting, yeah. yeah I'm not good enough to Although I do have a very good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're touring the world and all that. And then, as she got into my 40s, I thought, well, you know, really should be starting to do something with all this knowledge I picked up along the way. And it was in 1999 when I was down in Cornwall at the Solar Eclipse. Uh, I was at an Oak Dragon camp that was being facilitated by Sig Lorigan, <coughs> who I had previously met in Glastonbury. And Ivan uh, Macbeth was at that one too? No, Ivan wasn't at that one. Oh, no, okay. I met Ivan then. Uh, Patrick okay. McManaway okay. was there. Uh, Ros Briaga was facilitating uh, the little western circle that we, we were in. Uh, so this is my first experience of an Oak Dragon camp, and it was all geomantically laid out. Uh, you know, it was certain geomantic <laughs> things going on. Like we, we did a, a piecing of the bounce when we got there. Uh, all the uh, tent circles I've been down and cited uh, according to a geometric plan and all this. Uh, so that was really my first experience. There was a, quite a few dowsers there. Uh, Paul Barnett was one, and uh, Billy Gorn, uh, who's a great deviceless dowser, uh, very uh, into the earth energies. So that was really my introduction to earth energy dowsing with Billy. Uh, and he is an extraordinary fellow. He's, he's a, a farmer in Northern Ireland uh, who has this completely deviceless method of dowsing. He basically uh, notice, as we all do, that the dowsing reaction comes from your body. It's not from the, the, the tool that you're using. So uh, he sort of developed as he noticed the, that his wrists were moving. So uh, he put his rods away and just started working with his hands, you know, which he can do, and his wrists were twitching. And over a, a course of some years, he, he worked this up to his shoulder, so he'd be going around his shoulder and get a twitch. Yeah. Uh, so up, I look a bit silly doing this. So he, he kept moving on up, and he's gone down to the stage now where it's his eyeballs that do it. So he could literally just scan the horizon of a field, and his eyes will give a little twitch. So, so he can almost see the energies, in fact. He can track them that accurately. I think it's Adrian does a quite a good impersonation. Of course, we Adrian and Andrew did some... Impersonation of, of this chap <laughs> with the body movements and all that. He's quite a character, yeah. yeah. Um, so can I interrupt? Sure. There's, there's, a, there's an issue here that, that I think is at the heart, to some extent, of dowsing. I'd be interested to, to know what Susan thinks here, and which is 
we have somebody who are you talking about Billy Gorn who's moved from presumably using tools to using his body can I just raise the question with both of you about the link between dowsing and intuition and why it is that dowsers use the pendulum and the rods and why we do not rely okay. uh, on intuition. Should I, should I just finish my story if I got to here? Yeah, if, if you like. Yeah, 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 So that was my introduction to earth energy dowsing with Billy. And suddenly I had a, a reason for why I was attracted to all these stone circles and ancient sites. I suddenly <clears> knew what to do with them. You know, I could go and analyse the energies and know what things were doing there. There was also a lot of other instruction in astronomical alignments and stuff. Uh, at the moment of the solar eclipse, which uh, it was cloudy, so we didn't really see a lot. Uh, so a little bit, but not a lot. But you still got the effect of the thing going dark uh, and uh, the light coming back. A lot of the dowsers were tracking the energy lines there and seeing what was happening to it. And for me, just at the moment of eclipse, uh, I felt transfigured, I guess is the only word for it. You know, I felt like I was floating. I was wearing this quartz crystal on my chest, which seemed to be vibrating to me. And it was like a switch had been thrown inside me, you know. Um, I thought the, the light came back again. I thought, right, that's it, you know. <laughs> I'm quitting my full-time job. I'm going to devote more time to doing this. I need to give something back. So uh, so that was the big switch for me. What, and, year, uh, what year was that? 1999. 1999. I uh, joined the BSD. Yeah, it's the same year I joined. I signed up for uh, Sig and Patrick were running a geomancy course in Glastonbury uh, the next year, which was uh, over um, a year and a bit. So it was like, like it was like eight or nine long weekends over that period of time in Glastonbury. Signed up for that. Uh, went down to that. Worked with many other wonderful teachers: uh, Hamish Millen, John Michel. That was fantastic. We had a personalised tour of Glastonbury Abbey with John Michel. I just kept thinking, how cool is this? <laughs> so yeah, after that, they were going to do a second year of study, but they wanted to run another first year course first, so they'd have more students to run to justify doing the second year. Uh, that didn't happen. Times were a bit hard. So the 20 or so of us that were on the course got together and decided to keep doing our own training. So we formed what is what became the Geomancy Group, and we met four times a year after that, hired our own teachers for a couple of years to get them to come and you know, spend the weekend with us. And we had some, some good weekends, and uh, people have drifted away, new members have come in, you know, the Geomancy Group is still going. Uh, after that, I uh, was co-opted onto BSD Council in 2003, I think it was, and I went to my first meeting in London, and everybody was wearing ties and suits, it was all terribly formal. So uh, I served at council until 2008, when Patrick, uh, or 2007 actually, when Patrick announced that he wanted me to be the next president. Mm. So I was elected president in 2008, and I just completed my first three-year term, and been re-elected to my second one. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> we call it pulling the cart. Pulling the cart, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work to do to be president. It's yeah. pulling the cart with everybody else in it. And here you are. You see me here today. <laughs> and you're very welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So to get back to your question, uh, you were talking about the dowsing mechanism, uh, the link between dowsing and intuition. Okay, there's lots of theories about how this works. Uh, I think certainly everybody in the dowsing world is pretty well agreed that the, the tool is meaningless. You know, there's, the, there's no magic in the pendulum. You know, I can use a hex nut on a piece of string, it works just the same. I can use a watch, I can use you know, anything I've got dangling. So the tool is merely amplifying the response that your body is giving you. 
it's your body that's picking up the signal, it's your body that's providing you with the, the dowsing response. And I like to think of the pendulum as uh, a link between your conscious and your subconscious mind. Uh, it's like the informational bridge between your left and right brains. You know, our subconscious is processing all this information that uh, our conscious mind is never made aware of. It's, it's a survival instinct. You know, we don't need to know all these, these noises, these things that are happening behind us, uh, unless it's something that saber-toothed tiger's about to jump on you in primitive times. You know, so your subconscious screens all this out, all these signals, and your conscious mind isn't aware of it. So we do literally create our reality from moment to moment. We just, you know, we just pick out the, the essential bits we need to survive. But your subconscious is still processing all this. So what the pendulum allows you to do is access that information. It creates that informational bridge into your subconscious between left and right. And uh, it, the psychologists call this latent inhibition, I believe. Is that right, Jackie? That is correct. That is correct? <laughs> right. Inhibition. Latent inhibition. What does that mean? It's what I've just described. <laughs> yeah. the, the neurons are potentiated. They sort of recognise that something's going on, but they don't make the effort to bring it to full consciousness yeah. unless it's something you're motivated to notice. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of stuff about synchronicity and subconscious motivation. And synchronicity is actually the mind deciding, I'm going to notice patterns of this mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to tell myself and something. Don't we all do that? Yeah. yeah. So it's also about focus, isn't it? And discipline. Yeah. Yes? That too, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of course, now we know it's a, a non Newtonian universe these days uh, in the quantum world. So, uh, meetings have been telling us this for uh, lots of years that our subconscious is connected at higher levels to you know, the universal mind, the collective unconscious, the superconscious, if you like. And quantum physics tells us this, of course, as well, with uh, quantum entanglements. You know, any two particles that have been connected and then taken apart still have an informational connection. So acting on one particle, the other particle instantly reacts. So uh, I would put it to you, this is probably extremely flawed science, but it's a model that works for me. Um, as all of the universe came out of the singularity, it was the Big Bang. This is exactly what I say. It's like we've written, you know, yeah. same tape. We are. We've got the same tape. Everything is ultimately connected. <laughs> because it comes from this Big Bang. Yeah. Everything yeah. that was ever connected can be acted upon. Everything comes from the Big Bang. Therefore, we can influence anything else anywhere. We can access any piece of information yeah. we put our minds to. You know, our mind can connect to anything, yeah. really. And, you know, this little pendulum is your key to those realms. Yeah. So. yeah. Gosh, how was that? Can, 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 uh, can, this has got nothing to do with Dazzy, okay. but a li- li- little story which in some ways um, illustrates what you're saying, which is that when I lived in Ireland, we had, I kept chickens, and we had a paddock where we kept these chickens, and the chickens bred, so we got little chicks which we kept in the shed, and we let the, the mummy chickens out to feed, and we left the little chicks in the shed, and the mummies would run off and go to the other end of the paddock and we used to move where the food was so that the same part of the paddock didn't get covered in chicken shite basically Um, and they had to go across the stream and they had to go across the bridge in order to get there the day I let the chicks out they headed straight for where the food was they had no idea where it was Um, they had to cross the stream and they had to go to where the, the feeders were but they hadn't got a clue somehow they knew where the food was. Now, they couldn't smell it, whatever, but there was, if you like, the way I see it is there was some sort of 
informational thing, which was whether it whether it be genetic or whatever. But the little chicks. Rupert Sheldrake calls us the morphogenic field. Okay, well that's 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 why I raised it. Did you want yeah. to talk about that? We could. So, what do you mean? I'd love to. I'd love Jackie. Uh, sorry, Susan, to um, to do hear my, your do your my story. Yeah. yeah okay. Your we'll do that first. Okay. I'd love to hear that. Thank you. Um, completely different um, than Graham's. I didn't find dowsing until I was about 45. Uh, I started off as an artist. I was always, uh, I never felt connected to the planet. I never felt like really fully human. Mm. When I was about 19, I thought, well, I think I'll try this human experience. Because I was always very detached from everything. And I saw everybody else, you know, having emotional, entang emotional entanglements. Mm. I thought at 19, okay, I'll try this. And then discovered this is the planet of pain, right? You get into relationships and you have pain. So I, then I got into business, into the corporate world, and when I was 29, I uh, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and so my hands were claws for the next 23 years or so. So I went through uh, Western medicine and alternative medicine at the time. I was on diclofenic methotrexate, prednisone, chloroquine, all at the same time. There's times I couldn't walk. I'd go, I'd get cortisone on my knees, and they'd be taking fluid out. And my kids were young at that point. By some miracle, I conceived and had children. Mm. <clears throat> I was saying to my daughter's almost 20 now, she remembers at about four, I would have to take her to the doctor's office. And she remembers the stuff coming out. That's her childhood horrors, seeing this stuff. And it wasn't until I found a book in the library, uh, written by the former president of the BSD, by Arthur Bailey, Dosing in Your Health, or whatever the proper title is, uh, something like that yeah. and it, to me it was I went in the backyard I cut a switch walked across my septic and it moved so again we both learned to dose from books basically I guess so that was my aha moment and at, at that point also in, in those days I would have to sleep on the couch I was so tired hmm. and sick when my kids would sleep I would sleep and there was a certain couch that I would lie on and the longer I lay there the worse I felt and intuitively, I know there's something wrong with this. And I collected lots of crystals and beautiful things. Um, later, I realized, mm. of course, these are amplifying the non-beneficial energies. But after reading this book, there's earth energies. If you're sleeping on them, it'll make you ill. I slept on the... I went and lay on the, uh, the non-beneficial couch, felt my energy drain, and went and lay on another couch. My energy came up. So I thought, aha, there's earth energies. I'm susceptible. And then I joined the CSD, Canadian Society mm. of Dosers, because there's international groups that do this. Um, so I came at it um, from physical need, the hands being claws for years. It took me five years of dousing to realign my body's energies. And to answer your earlier question, the difference between simply using intuition and using the tool, for me, because my body was so sensitive, and it still is sensitive, having an external tool to check out the energies was better for my health. So when I did start practicing and feeling earth energies, uh, before I trained myself to protect myself, I would, I would go into resonance, basically. I would be able to sense a non-beneficial energy, but I would also go into resonance with it. And then I would be sick the next day. We're, we're talking today about different illnesses in the landscape. If you have the same illness, you can go into resonance with that. Mm. So we get like the sinkhole of illness, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention your uh, in your presentation at conference. You showed that uh, chart, the mind mirror chart, yeah. uh, which I use in my courses. Mm. I think it's a really good diagram. Uh, it's a chart of uh, brainwave frequencies. You know, you have the four um, the beta, which is the waking mm. state, and alpha, and then uh, mm. uh, theta, theta, delta. delta. Mm -hmm. 
and various uh, charts like looking at deep sleep, uh, charts the left and right uh, residences, left and right halves of the brain. Uh, there's deep sleep uh, meditation, uh, lucid dreaming, I think, Zen meditation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. dowsing. And dowsing is the only one in which all four ranges of activity uh, of uh, brainwaves have active uh, peaks of them. You know, the rest of them focus on particular bits. So in dowsing, and this is the great thing about dowsing, I, mean, I wish I'd discovered this years ago, mm-hmm. uh, because after, even after I discovered it, I had no idea you could use it for this sort of uh, spiritual research. And I read quite heavily into the whole sort of Western magical tradition, you know, trying to find some, something I could use, something I could take. Of course, that's all based on, like, Victorian ceremonial magic, the Golden Dawn and stuff. It's mm-hmm. really dense and coded and really hard to get into these days. But any of that sort of magical training where you're uh, accessing these realms, you're usually involved going into an altered state or a trance of some sort. Mm-hmm. Edgar Casey also. Edgar Casey, yeah. The Sleeping Prophet, yeah. Right. Dowsing doesn't do that. You know, dowsing, you still have one foot in the, the real world, as it were. Your pendulum is the bridge that lets you access these realms without having to go into trance. You know, your brain is active at all levels. So, as well as a really handy tool for doing that, it's also a protection mechanism, you know, because it does keep you anchored. Mm-hmm. So, Susan, how long did that healing process take once you'd found... It's probably about five years, from 1999 being crippled. Crippled for yeah. 20 years, really. I couldn't hold a pencil, I couldn't hold my toothbrush, I couldn't feel the tips of my fingers. And was that all energy... Or, it would, or was, it was, it, was it complemented by other things that you did or took? Nothing else helped. I once had a uh, um, cortisone injection into my hand, and the one finger then, what was it? The one finger moved. <laughs> um, I went through everything. But, but I also say that the um, autoimmune disorders are a result of the body not recognizing the self. So I think... Oh, Really? Yeah, autoimmune disorders are the self not recognizing the self. So for me, I had to align myself. Because when I was 19, I'd been on some path up until 19, and then I'd chosen to deviate. So for me, everything is choice. Like, we get to choose what we want to do. So I chose to change my reality. And once I got into this dimensional kind of stuff, because I wanted to participate fully as a human being. This sounds weird, right? But you don't have to ever look at me again. But I, I feel our, our challenge now is to maintain a spiritual being that we are with the human being that we are. Yeah, right. So in the past, it was easy to go off and be a nun or a monk, sit on the mountain, and you know not have any responsibility. But to take that spiritual being and walk within the family situation, within business, within mm. community, that's the biggest challenge. They say, yeah. I love humanity, but people really get me. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a quote, and I can't remember who, who said it, which is, it's very easy to be, a, to be a spiritual being, but what we're learning to be is a human being. Right. Because we are naturally spiritual beings, and right. we are here to learn to be human. And that's a difficult bit. It's easy to be a spiritual being, being relative to learning to be a human, human being. being. And that's yeah. why we're here. Yeah. We're on this earth to be a yeah. human being. We're here to learn to be a human being. Not to learn to be a spiritual being, because we are already spiritual beings. But people forget that. Yeah, absolutely. We get sucked into our wine and our good food and our relationships and our travel and all the toys that we have. Anybody like any ice cream? It's <laughs> 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 food. Uh, human being stuff. <laughs> 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 Part of my healing path from being crippled and then not 
and learning the dowsing was, and then I started to, I, I worked with the earth energies, I worked with uh, different foods, you know, can I eat this apple, can I eat mm. this orange, uh, being super, super careful, and gradually pulling myself out of it, oh. and as I came out of it, I started hearing speeches in my head, if that doesn't sound too mm. crazy, but pe and also people, I started helping my friends and my, you know, broader community, and I just started hearing it, and I knew I had to tell people about it. So I, I actually spend a lot of my time going around to conferences and talking about it because when the kids again were young, in the summer they would be at home from school. By, you know, by, by spring my hands would be fairly open. And in the summer when I wasn't out working or teaching, my hands would claw up again. Mm -hmm. And then in the fall when they went back to school, I'd go out and start working again and my hands would open. So that was the real biofeedback. You know, yeah. if, you, if you go out and you talk about this, then you'll be fine. Have you moved house since when you served as Well, it was, no, it's like 23 years. I went all over the... Those days, I was... Uh, the only time I would get relief would be in an airplane. And then I used to enjoy really moving cities. And I also always, always could feel, feel spirit around me. Mm. And I had no sense of protection, but I could feel them. And I used to travel on business a lot, and the only time I was peaceful was going into a hotel. And uh, it would take three days for spirit to find me. <coughs> And then I could feel that. Hmm. As I always thought they were attacking me, but, but not. It's just energies out there. They're just energies, and you just say hello, you know. And I always say, can I do something for you? What would you like? Because mostly, as I was told by a psychic when we started, you know, as we develop these gifts, our light shines more and more, and beings who are out there, if we can talk about that, um, see us, and then they just hang around, and they just want help for the most part. You have a little light bulb on your head. Well, we the, all the do. Moth from the drawing trip. We all do. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. So it's can I help you? Is what yeah. I usually say. So nowadays, as far as the arthritis goes, do you still have any issues? Well, I have sensitivities. Like I danced like a maniac the other night, and I've got a sore knee. <laughs> but I don't take any drugs. Right. And I don't have any permanent damage. You know, still I have to be careful. Yeah. But in, done. In time of year, at all, does that affect you? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. For me, it was all the self not recognizing the self. Okay. I didn't know who I was or what I was supposed right. to be doing. So that healing took place while you were living in the same house where you found that, that non-beneficial yeah. energy under the... I moved all over the country between the time I was 29 and, you know, 23 years later, I lived in the east, the west, different houses. Oh, right. Yeah, it never made any difference. But when you started to to heal and you recognize that no it was all in the same house too. it was all in the same house yeah. so there's that would you say that there was a significant differential in energy quality in different parts of the house there was because that's a very small area to have such a major oh no difference. The, the house can be full of things so once i learned about the earth energies mm. and i you know going out to my rods i found there was like different be non-beneficial energy lines going through my refrigerator mm. so i'm thinking oh great now all my food is wrecked mm. And certainly on the on the couch where I used to sleep in my living room, there was only one chair I could sit in over in the corner. <laughs> but right. I, you know, I mapped this stuff out, and you know, I would do anything to be better. So I have a question about. Okay. Do you mind if I ask no. another question? No. My hunch is that the the Earth energies are actually yin and yang; that they are predominant. They they have the yang quality or the mm -hmm. yin quality. Mm -hmm. And that they're not, in that sense, detrimental or beneficial. Exactly. They are yin and yang. Exactly. And that human stuff, 
and ancient history and all sorts of stuff can accumulate around those yin and yang flows. Mm -hmm. So um, a yang line with human, with negative, as it were, or ego-based human accumulations can be just as detrimental as a yin line mm -hmm. that is equally got a lot, got accumulations of of uh, unhappiness and other things around it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be incredibly careful about how, when we talk about a detrimental energy line and a beneficial energy line, mm -hmm. because we're actually talking about accumulations and that beneficial and detrimental does not necessarily, does not imply detrimental as yin and, 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 oh. and beneficial as yang. Mm -hmm because that's not how it is. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Either could be beneficial or detrimental. So, so how, when people talk about a detrimental energy line, they're actually describing the accumulations that have a, a, occurred around that particular field. That can so, be one aspect. So what, could you go into that a little further? Well, this is the Earth Energy Expert here. Okay, Graham, could you go into that a little? Could you sure, okay. clarify? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in general... I mean, a lot of Taoists have their own interpretation of these. You know, you've voiced your interpretation. Uh, so people relate to the energies in different ways. Uh, it doesn't really matter what your own picture is, as long as it works for you. But in a very general term, the yin energies are largely water-based mm -hmm. uh, and are carried by water. Mm -hmm. The yang energies are largely energy-based and are carried by uh, energy lays, uh, energy grids, and other energy lines. Do you call that positive and negative, yin and yang, or no, electrical no. charge? You put you do no, something. No, I don't. No? I don't. Okay. I don't go black or white, positive or negative. You can. Actually. But you see, you say yin and yang, so those are absolute terms. Yeah, but they're not such uh, uh, terms. They're not such loaded terms. Like you say, positive, negative. People immediately think negative is bad. No, I, I just think electrical. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, but charge. I don't use those terms because most people think negative, okay. not good. You okay. know, positive, good. You don't want to do that. So I would say detrimental, you know, or beneficial, mm -hmm. healthy or unhealthy. But okay, and so there's that the, there's healthy or unhealthy. Okay, well there's the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. Yin is largely water. Yes. Yang is largely energy stuff. Mm -hmm. Either can be healthy or unhealthy. Exactly. Yeah. Either can be stressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or or uh, relaxed. Typically, you find that the yang side of things is more affected by human emotion and stuff. So you right. like place memory issues, uh, you know, curses, psychic attacks, spirit activity. That's generally carried on the uh, the grids and the lays. In the yang. In the yang side of yeah. things, yeah. Uh, the yin does carry uh, more geopathic stress in the traditional sense. In that, that's unhealthy. Uh, sorry, detrimental earth energy radiation. That is detrimental for humans. Where does the detriment come from? Where does the detriment come from? Uh, it's going back to the natural earth radiation being distorted by something which may be a mineral deposit, it might be a cavity like a cave or a mine shaft, uh, it might be a fault line. But it's detrimental to humans, it doesn't necessarily mean it's detrimental to everything. It doesn't necessarily mean it's detrimental to, anything, uh, to everything. Uh, some animals are thought to actually thrive in these detrimental energies. Such as cats. It's a perceived bees. wisdom that cats actually like geopathic stress lines. Uh, and ants. Uh, some some bees. insects. Bees. Yeah. Beekeepers yeah. would bees. put their bees on that. Yeah. Uh, cloven hoofed animals. So it's a human interpretation of whether it's detrimental or not. Yeah. 
Well, well it's all human interpretation, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in in a, in a sense, it's relative. Yeah. I once watched a um, a little video of continental drift. Yeah. In the uh, Royal, in the museum in Edinburgh, down the bottom of the geology section, there's this video, and you can see from Pangaea. Uh, the various bits break off and move around. And interestingly, Wales and England started off in a completely different place to Scotland and Northern Ireland. Well, Wales, England and Ireland started off and Scotland and Northern Ireland started off in a completely different place. Uh, 400 million years ago, we have British Isles and, and, and Ireland. And what's interesting is that the political boundary follows the geological boundary. Uh, And also, there is a lot of conflict around those boundaries. Even, you know, we've been playing out in Northern Ireland and and Ireland, that whole conflict, the English and the Scots. And if you look at other boundary collisions, um, there is equally stress playing out uh, that's that's moving up through hu- through humans in a way that humanity is in a way redeeming the earth through through that transmutation process of, of taking the stress, channeling it through its our own conflict, and and in some way redeeming that in uh, through resolution. Redeeming the resolving, finding peace after the, the conflict. Bring, the bringing together of the pieces. Well, the, the earth is holding this tension. Right. Look at the great, the great um, what's it called, Rift Valley in, in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. That's you know, coming apart there. Yeah, but the, the fighting, the, the pain, the, yeah. the murder that's happened along that line is something else. Hmm. And, and you see it in, in, you can track it through other, other places. Yeah. And it's, how, it's interesting to see how human conflict and geological boundaries and stresses so which is cause Coincide. and which is effect? Hmm? Which is cause and which is effect? I think that humans, that, that we are helping the earth to recover from... Uh, and we're helping by being pain. involved in conflict? Hmm? And we're helping by being involved in conflict? Well, the, the, there is conflict within the earth through this stress right. that, that manifests in humanity right. either side of a border, uh, and we fight, and then eventually we resolve our fighting and, and become friends. But yeah, but this is very typical. This, this energy carries down, you know. Uh, you still find this. I get a lot of cases where there are geological faults. Mm-hmm. You still find the stress manifesting today. Yeah. Or places where there have been old battlefields. You know, this place memory still hangs oh. on. It affects people yeah. Yeah, many hundreds of years later sometimes. Oh. I mean, I was just thinking Northern Ireland. I mean, we're obviously, we're from, I mean, around Craig Avon. For us, we've always felt kind of very mm. Yeah. Mm. bad. Different energy. places have very strong negative energies. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, and I'm thinking there was um, when I lived down in Wales. There was a place up the valleys called Hengoid. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't stay in Hengoid. But, um, I just found that too I lived much. in Penderyn. Yeah. So you know what, what happens with those sorts of is is that just an emotional reaction to something because it doesn't feel like it. It but feels like something much, much but then stronger. It goes back to what I say about cause and effect because well, I think that we had an impact on the land in places like Hengoid mm. and, and, and the, the way that the, the valleys have been... Abused? 
Yep. That'll do. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's yeah. iniquitous what we've yeah. done to, to that land. And I think the land is, is, is doing really well to remain stable yeah. and, and, and not fight back. Yeah. So uh, there's the influence of the land on us, but there's also the influence of us on the land. Yeah. And yeah. we desecrated some of that place. Yeah. We have, yeah. It's been iniquitous what we've done to some of those places yeah. in, the, in the South Wales Valleys. Mm. I'm just thinking around Craig Craigavon, there's Loch Ney, which is very... Deep water, which sort of moves, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. We're talking about the yin and the yang, and yeah. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, as a professional person who does health energy yeah. work, you're trying to achieve that balance of the yin and the yang in the, the, the property. Usually, you have to deal on a very local level, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. because you don't really ethically know what uh, your effects are doing yeah. on a larger landscape level. Although you ask that no harm occurs. Although you ask that no harm comes yeah. to anything, you know, yeah. that the energies be transformed for the inhabitants of the space, you know, all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you are just trying to achieve uh, a balance of that. I'll talk a little bit about the science that we know. There hasn't been a lot of science done on this sort of stuff, but uh, going back to the geological fault lines, mm -hmm. uh, there has been science that shows there is a disturbance in the uh, Earth's natural radiation over geological faults. And geologists still use this as a means of prospecting these days. There are these uh, instruments that have been developed which are you know, very complex, which can actually measure this radiation. And experiments have been done with, in conjunction with dowsers, uh, as far back as the, the 1930s in Germany, where they found uh, these lines where, where there was a very uh, definite increase in the background radiation which a dowser was said, this is a fault line or this is a water line, and they found like, a high incidence of cancer patients living mm. in these lines. Mm. Okay, that's extraordinary. Been lots of this research has been done. And yeah. a very good book on that is Cathy Backlund's yeah. radiation. radiation. Uh, there was also a chap in France, Pierre Codet, who uh, did some experiments with electroscopes, you know, the gold leaf electroscopes that you learn about from physics in school. You two bits of gold leaf that, that go apart in the presence of a charge. With the discharge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My other one, old enough to remember. I missed that lesson, yeah. <laughs> I missed that lesson. Okay. It anyway, it's, it's a device that shows charge. It measures air ionisation, basically. And uh, he did some experiments over these water lines that thousands had found. And uh, he would have the, the two electroscopes about three metres apart, and you know the one over the water line would discharge, the other one would stay. And he kept doing that, repeating the experiment until they were very close together. So he was able to determine that the width of this energy coming off the, the water line was very narrow. You know, so you could pinpoint it to a narrow line. And, of course, if somebody's bed was above this, they were in the path of that radiation. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Some experiments have been done to show in very high-story buildings that there is a slight deviation in height, so it's maybe not always perfectly vertical. But it does seem to be a very tight band of energy that comes off this. Uh, and this is distorting the natural uh, magnetic field of the Earth. Uh, which has a natural resonance around about 7.63 cycles per second, called the Schumann resonance. Uh, this is caused by the uh, lightning strikes that happen, of which there are several thousand a second all around the planet. So this air resonance uh, that's created, which we are all adapted to live with, and our bodies require this to function. And on the space station? On the space station, they found astronauts are getting sick when they're in space for long periods of time, so they've had to install these uh, Schumann wave generators. To get them healthy and functioning. I've had two lightning strikes in my house the last year. Yeah, they were TV up <laughs> twice. Really? Yeah, they were in the house. I was quite frightening. You know, actually, yeah. wow. I guess. Just, you know, out with a barn and one, you know, just. Whoa! <laughs> and, and were you there in the room? Yeah, yeah. Um, the second time we were just about to switch it off when it hit again. Jeez. And I went down to the 
uh, the stables to make sure the horse are okay. You know, on the way back, it struck the ground in front of me and actually jumped over the, the top. <laughs> you know, wow. to, yeah. but, uh, right, uh, yeah, there's a lot of research there. You've probably got a crossing of some underground streams there. Well, there, there, there is an underground yeah. stream that yeah. runs through the corner of a house. And yeah. someone was speaking to Adrian at the, at the course now. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, do this test with this coloured thing of the... Can't remember the name of the oh, chart. Major, is it? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it yet, but, uh, right. but there is a, mm. a stream. It's a coloured disc but with colours on it. I've, I've got one. Do you? Yeah. I don't use that. We don't I use that in North America. No, it was, a, it was a French thing. It was a, a chap called Henri Magier who invented it back in the ooh, 1913, thereabouts. This He's is a coloured disc. Yeah, it's got seven different colours in it. You get uh, red, yellow, green, blue, purple, white, green, Is that like a frequency? Uh, it's quite, com- quite popular with water dosers for assessing the purity. Mm. Yeah, and, and how does it work? I've, I've never done You... I'll demonstrate it. Do you want to do that? You basically hold the segment in between your thumb and forefinger and your free hand and down with your pendulum. Uh, you just say, you know, what frequency is this stream resonating to or what colour is this stream resonating to? And you just walk your way around until your pendulum reacts, you know? And, and what does yellow tell you? Well, uh, whatever yellow means to you. But uh, okay. in, in a, most water does would say that means it's, it's uh, sulfurous, say, oh. perhaps, or uh, maybe it's calcium, you know. Couldn't, blue is lovely and fresh. That? Blue is, is lovely and fresh, yeah. Green is... Full of algae. Copper. Red is iron. Grey is slightly polluted. And black <laughs> is heavily polluted or geopathically stressed. So when you hear Dowser talking about a black stream, that's what that is. So that's where that comes from. That's what a black stream okay. is. How do you spell it? Major? M A G E R. Yeah, you can start with that and then you can ask. Yeah, of course you don't need it. You can just see it. You don't need it. But it's, it's handy because it gives you some indication of, of the degree of. Well, and it's, 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 it's going back to what we, I, I think we've said before, mm-hmm. which is when you're working with a client, Sometimes they actually like to see yeah. that you've got something and that... that well, I use the charts. This is a good segue for you guys to open up your handouts. Oh, nicely done. <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> Does anybody have a handout? Did you pass I passed that handout as well. Are there, are there more? But, yeah, there... Uh, Can you... Uh, there, some uh, right? there might be. There's um, charts. I, look, I, I use charts, man. Can I have my rosette back? Has somebody got yeah. it, please? Yeah. Okay. He's a great. Yeah. I've got a whole thing. Is it the yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hi. That's all right. Yeah. 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 It's for you. Okay. Take it. Okay. Well, I'll take one. Oh, excuse me. Give Graham one. Can, yeah. we, can we come back to Davies? What, my stream? Aye. Aye. Because um, <laughs> you, cause you mentioned it when we met in Aberdeen in Ruth's uh, a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, and it's obviously not resolved. And is there any way that we can actually... And give you guidance as to what might be. I would love that. But I, mean, yeah, I, 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 uh, I mean, that's a twice in the last year. It's stuck and it's not out the TV and the phone. The the BT engineer guy said that lightning strikes. I'll strike the ground then. Look for the weakest uh, link into your house, which is normally the, through a cable uh-huh. system. Whatever you know. And I've looked on the internet about what you can do to try to prevent such things. And there's various metal rods in the ground as such to try to track the lightning strike and whatever but I, I hadn't linked the underground stream with a possibility and it, it really does make sense because where it struck the ground I think it's just about on the line of where the stream is Yeah. and I, I said I was running back to the house and I literally <laughs> jumped over this <laughs> it's traditionally thought to be the crossing point of two streams right? 
Yeah. Okay. Some people say it's the crossing point of a curry grid, which is one of the other energy grids you can find. But they cross everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So what, okay. what is it about a particular curry crossing that would generate a lightning yeah. strike? Yeah. Or maybe it's an underground stream and a curry, curry grid, yeah. So what can they do? I would suggest probably try to move the stream okay. or, uh, or pitting it. So is that then? Before it gets the the internet sort of putting up, is that a copper rod? In the ground, or was that? Steel, usually. Steel, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's the only way to do it. Yeah. Would you pound it in then and yeah. sledgehammer it over? Well, you could do that if you were good. Yeah, if you were trying to move the stream, but yeah. yeah. I don't know, I'd uh, do a bit more dowsing to find out if that was the case, right. but yeah, before committing to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, of course, that end, it's still moving the stream means it could still. It could still something else, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Can I just ask a question about. Um, these the curry grid and the Hartman grid. Sure. When I walk along the beach, and I tune into these uh, these these grid lines and, and just watch them, um, watch my reaction to them. What I get is that there is there is that they move through a kind of harmonic cycle, and that there will be a, a curry line or a Hartman like. Oh, well, you mean they get stronger and then they... Yeah, there's a pulse running through yeah, them. Yeah, and there is, this, yeah. this could be something like, I think it's something like about a dozen through, is, is, is one, one cycle. And then there will be a, another um, sort of holographic step out where that is part of another cyclic wave. Yeah. And it may be that there's when, when four or five of these harmonics coincide that you get quite a, quite a, quite a bit of beef and gravy. <laughs> to use a technical term. To use a technical term, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the, both the Hartman and the Curry Crates have a, a periodic lines that are higher in strength. Yeah, I pick that up as more musical than... Yeah, yeah, I like well, that. Well, it's, it moves up and down your chakras. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, well, different grids resonate with different chakras. Hmm. Uh, that one is very base chakra, probably is a bit more up here. Mm-hmm. But there have been, uh, I think, about 24 grids does. Yeah. Different, uh, different named grids? Different names. Yeah, it seems every dowser finds a grid yeah. that they like to name off for themselves. Yeah. So. Well, no, um, what's his name, the, the New Zealand guy? Bruce Cathy? The Bruce uh, Cathy, the Cathy yeah, grid. The Cathy grid, yeah. Which is just a bit off north, north due yeah. north, isn't it? Uh, I, could raise just... you, I could raise you the Brian Adam grids. He's a yeah. mathematician in Dundee who has this pie-derived grid, oh, really? uh, which covers the entire country, and he will plot any agents that you like onto this grid. You know? Oh, lovely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were talking about your 20-degree intervals, you know. There's all these things. Uh, I think we get too bogged down in uh, researching those things. Yeah. Uh, I tend to think grids are a manifestation of the Earth consciousness mm-hmm. uh, as we are interpreting it. Mm-hmm. And we, we find what we look for. We find what we look for, yeah. So would you say the curry is more heart? And no, curry is more uh, kind of your solar. And Hartman is base. Hartman is base, yeah. And so curry is solar plexus. Yeah. It's a, I call it a composting grid. If you've got some anger, yeah, emotional yeah. stuff, go and you can find a, a double curry crossing, yeah. which is supposed to be, you know, bad. But it, you, you can compost your own emotional mm-hmm. wow. dump yeah. into that. And safely. Yeah, yeah I do. Safe, that. Safely for the earth. Yeah, I have a little uh, sort of psychic hoover, just you know, hoovers it up and, and dumps it. And is it, it. Yeah. Is it uh, associated with the curry? Yeah. Good. Yeah. What's interesting is Graham and I have never met before Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we we have the same, uh, pretty much the same 
Well, I guess it's all, you know, there's, there's a lot of commonality on both sides of the, the pond these days. Yeah. yeah. Plus, what's interesting about all this information is that we have all discovered it again independently. Yeah. And then we do come to these meetings and you say something and it's, we've all independently come to the same. Yeah, it's The internet and all the rest of it, but yeah. there's... Yeah. It's mm. the truth, you know? So you like your charts. I'm, I'm not big on charts. Oh, I use charts all the time. Yeah. I'm not big on charts, especially when I'm teaching people. Because I tend, well, I always say uh, it might do, confuse your reactions. If you've just got your yes and no reactions and you're starting to get different angles, you know, some people find that confusing. So I find it gives them a structure to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, right. I'm not big. I always say, you know, there's a percentage scale or something. Oh, I get them to do that first Mm-hmm. There's also male and female ways of working, right? Of mm-hmm. course, cool. yeah. yeah. And today we were at... Clava. Clava. Uh-huh. And these men are, doused, are, are finding the straight lines, and I'm going around in circles, and I don't know, you were off doing yeah, something I'm else. I'm with the fairies. <laughs> yeah. Jackie's committing with the elements. So not only is right or wrong, but the male and female energy together brings a balance. And at one point, my spiral intersected your straight line and everything. Yeah. So we all bring ourselves in our own cultural context to what we're finding. Yeah. We're all, it goes back to where we started from, doesn't it? We've all got our own vibrational level and we are all connected with one another anyway. Yeah. And of course, it sounds terribly fake, but the vibration in this room will be different now because we're all in here doing, thinking and talking, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you all go, it will be different. Not necessarily. Well, it will I think it would. Yeah, we can hold the intent for a while. You know. Well, yes. <laughs> By the opposite note, if so, if you in a room and something <coughs> tragic happens or violent yeah. happens, that mm. energy imprint can stay oh, yeah. in the room, which mm. people can perceive as a ghost, yeah. but is just the energy imprint yeah. of something that's happened there. You very typically get that. I mean, I get a lot, quite a lot of cases where this is the the case where the house is holding the bad energy. Mm. Uh, pubs are a good example. You know, the energy in a pub over that's been there for many, many years is really not very healthy. Or hospitals. Uh, or hospitals, yeah. you know. Yeah, just think about energy, it's really... The hospitals also have the most magnificent angels over them. Well, that's not all they have, though. And that's not all they have, but no. they do yeah. have the wonderful angels. Yeah. And you quite often find in houses where there are uh, alcohol problems, you know, that, that is a repeating pattern from previous inhabitants. Yeah. Uh, drug-related problems as well. Although that also opens up a whole lot of uh, spiritual and psychic problems that can call stuff in. Graham, can I ask a question, uh, well, an observation, I guess. It seems like BSD is an extraordinarily broad church. It is. We call ourselves a very broad church. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's sitting at that conference. Um, and I began to wonder how far this could stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you've got your you've got your water guys, you know, who are just there and, and stick a drill in. You've got the archaeology <laughs> guys who are there and they can they can dig it up and there it is. Um, and then it gets a little more subtle uh, until you get to people who are talking deep and profound spiritual experience in a to my mind a very lovely way. But they're not mutually exclusive. And they're not mutually exclusive. I guess it's the dowsing reaction that is the common our common. Dowsing is the common tool. Yeah, it's all dowsing. Or the yeah, um, is the is the um, Canadian society as broad? Well, as we us? the North American. I'm, uh, I'm North American. represent North United right. States, so yeah. I'm a member of everywhere yeah. basically. Okay. I think the British society is more 
compartmentalized officially than some of the others. Uh -huh. The American Society um, was founded by a lot of military yeah. types. Well, and see, the, the British Society was founded by you know military engineers yeah. in the army. So, yeah. Yeah. But also, the, the, in Vietnam, they were dowsing mines. Yeah. yeah. There's the guy with the website. You've probably seen it. You know all the mine dowsing. Uh, there's uh, Louis Matisse, if you're thinking. I or, think I just know. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul Smith was, uh, was, the, yeah. was the head of Project Stargate at one point. Yeah. But anyhow, this, this breadth of church... Um, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're in equally North broad? Is yes. It, yeah. But we don't divide into SIGs. Right. Yeah, it's, it's perhaps perceptually more uh, perceived as being compartmentalised than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, the special interest groups were started. Uh, the very first one was the Earth Images Group. Hmm back in uh, 1995, I think, that was started by Billy Gone, who was spoken about. And he actually went off outside the society and started that, because at that time, the BSD was very much tangible water, yeah. you know, that's it. That's, that's where it all came from, really. Yeah. Sure. Except if you go back into the early journals, like back in the 1930s, you know, they're talking about earth energies, you know? So anyway, uh, at the time... Uh, the right is Billy uh, was not allowed to set it up within the society, so he actually set it up as a separate group. Mm. And it was only, I think, in 2002 or something like that that it was reintegrated into the mainstream. And then the other special interest groups followed. First of all, we had the health group, which I think was 2005. Mm. So this is fairly recent. And then the archaeology group was 2007. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think, no, maybe a bit earlier than that. But the archaeology group was 2004, uh, and that's still very much a, a closet activity because you know it's uh, because the BSD is such a broad church. It's very difficult to talk about the BSD uh, and dowsing in the year sort of professional archaeologists because they think we're all you know away with the fairies, sure. uh, you know, which is true in many cases. What's <laughs> wrong? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard path to to try and tread. But if we hadn't brought the society to the intangible stuff, yes. uh, it would have folded in, in yeah. the 90s. You know, there just wasn't yeah. enough members to keep it going. And in fact, uh, although it started primarily about water dowsing, the water special interest group is actually the smallest in oh, the really? society there, yeah. followed by the archaeology, followed by the health. Earth Energies is the largest. So if we hadn't opened up to this intangible stuff, the society would not be here today. Yeah. Mm. There's also a certain kind of glorious incongruity uh, about this wonderful breadth of church. But if you look at the audience that was there at the conference, you know, the average age, well, I was, probably, I was probably young. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Fintorn in the early days, you know, you just walk in there and you think this is the furthest out place on the planet. And yet these people are all, you know, they're all off with their blue rinses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was quite encouraged. There were a f quite a few younger folk there this year, the, uh, which I oh, well, was quite good. encouraged at. Yeah. Is it the same in the States and North America? Mm -hmm. yeah. Primarily because people in, in the early days, you're finding your, your partner, you're having children, you're finding a job, you're getting a house. Yeah. You get to 45, 50, 55, you have all those things that you set out to do, and you still often have an empty place. Yeah. And you go, well, there must be something else. Or we start having emotional or physical breakdowns. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like not, you know, traditional stuff is not working. So it often takes to this age to be ready to come here. I still have people who, who have, I know could be helped through yeah. this technology, but they won't because they're afraid or it's weird or yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. You have to be desperate enough, yeah. open-minded enough yeah. to... Uh, 
one of the I groups that you sorry is, I was going to say time is crucial I think I think that sums it up yeah. having the time to do it and to get yeah. involved in it yeah. because we are so busy doing all the Running, other crap things that we do yeah but that's part of the being human so absolutely the spiritual yes. and the and, and, and unless you've gone through that I'm sorry no that's not that's not true but doing that actually helps inform and make you a more informed and better dowser, probably. Yeah, the human experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to raise my kids, you know, in the context of these principles, and they're both intuitive and good dowsers and all the rest. Okay. Sorry, Grant. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the uh, special interest groups that you probably didn't hear about, because they're not really a special interest group, is the, the dowsing research group. Uh, they are sort of semi-autonomous. In fact, they don't quite fit neatly into the Constitution anywhere, so we don't call them a special interest group. They actually function as an affiliated local group really? under, the, under the local group constitution because they're quite secretive. We have a lot of uh, people there who are scientists or retired scientists, but some of them are still pursuing careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really want you know, their names to be banded about in connection with this stuff. So we hear very little from them, but just you know, every couple of years or so, they'll come up with some... Uh, amazing revelation or new theory which uh, how, do, how does one apply to that group? one has to I think submit a proposal or uh, a research I think you're paper. invited I was talking to Jim yeah uh, we had a good talk yeah oh uh, so you met Jim Jim Lyons. Uh, yeah we had a good talk I suggested to him that um, Finhorn might be an interesting place to to work in because we have um, in, in terms of social cultural spiritual milieu there is a size and an, a substantial energy field and a, a social cultural arrangement that is mature and complex enough to, to be resilient. And that it might be that research projects carried out in that environment could be quite productive. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to have some correspondence with him. Yeah. Uh, this is Jim Lyons he's talking about, who's a fairly recently retired physicist at York University. Who's in, he gives amazing talks, I have to say. Uh, I'm glad we've actually got an Earth Energies group uh, DVD of their last meeting where he gave a talk. And I'm great, it's great that I've actually got it on DVD now because you can pause and rewind and listen to it again. <laughs> you know, you have to listen to it several times before you actually get what he's telling you because the amount of information he's putting out is so fascinating, but it's quite dense, you know. He's done a lot of work on uh, sort of consciousness theory. Uh, he's very in touch with the sort of Russian and Eastern European things yeah. like uh, torsion field theory, uh, vortex theory. And he sees the Earth energies as being related to all the cosmic movements of the sun and the moon. and can demonstrate how th- uh, things like lays uh, and the Earth crater are affected by the movements of, uh, of this. Yeah, which goes way back to why people are dozing on the eclipse to see what happens to the lines, you know. Mm-hmm. And they moved? Uh, they move, or well, they shrink down and to nothing, and then they spring back again. Like you stretch a rubber band and twine it. You know, is it true great full moon that the Earth crust rises? And the Closer to the moon, yeah. yeah. On the side, like, like tidal, yeah. It goes up two, yeah. The Earth crust goes up two yeah. feet, and then there's more yeah. uh, geopathic stress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, all these things affect us, you know. Uh, Jim's also quite well up on the, the sort of the way some scientists are starting to look at consciousness as a means of affecting stuff, which you know we as dozers know we can do. Uh, and until I think mainstream science accepts that there is this link with consciousness, we're not which is get, coming. Yeah, until quantum. that happens, we're not going to get a, a, an explanation of why dozing works. Well, quantum physics says whatever you measure, you change. Yeah. 
the observer that's affects the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So if you measure something with intention, you can change, yeah, you change the, the result, result. Yeah. with intention. Yeah. But we still got to come back to keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's great to research all this stuff, but you know, uh, I think it's important that we do. But yeah, keep it. Simple. Well, you know, with the clients, you know, you, you've been there for two and a half hours. You're going, how am I going to fix this? You know, mm -hmm. you just have to come down to okay, show me where I need to work. <laughs> so, you know, mm -hmm. What do I need to do first? We've been here for nearly an hour now, and I asked you to sort of be chat for an hour. So if we keep going for another few minutes, can I ask both of you to to tell us? And this is an awful thing to ask you. But to tell us about a professional job that you've had where you felt less than successful and why you think that was. Is that, yeah. is that, is that, is that all right? Yeah, or yeah. We could, people could ask questions. Because Angus has been asking questions, but Jeremy... I'm sorry, I've been hugging, really? the, no, no. hugging the floor. No, I think you know, we, we, we have to be forceful, but I would like to open to questions more as well, if, if there are any. Well, tell me, it's not so much a question, but... Uh, a lot of what Graham said is sort of where you start off from, you know, and you basically feel I've, I've, I've dabbled with a number of things and all that. But something keeps bringing back to dowsing it, it's going to have some um, effect on my life and in, my, in my, my career. I've probably got five, six years to go and all that, but I think dowsing's going to, you know, after that, I don't know what yet. Yeah. And dowsing has came to me, I think, um, especially through the, the, the water side, because it, it was at our house we were looking at putting a, a new water system in. And or there was, what the system have was getting problems with it. And there's a local chap who's a, a, a dowser came along one day, an old chap, he's in his 80s. So he said he would come up and have a look in the field which runs around the house to see what we could do. You see, so he really arrives with his selection of wooden sticks. And he could see I was showing an interest in what he's going to do. And he, he says, Do you want to have a go? You see, so. Of course, will yeah. So, hand me a stick, show me how to hold it. He says, right, just, you know, walk and think of water. And, you know, okay. And all of a sudden, point, you know, up goes the stick and whoa. <laughs> and Willie came along and sort of said, that's right, you found a water course. And that, that got me mm -hmm. thinking of, of dowsing side of thing. From that dowsing, uh, I've done psychic development courses in Tarnall, like what Graham said, and all that, and dowsing came part of that. But, but I still come back to this wooden stick that... That I have, you've seen the, you've seen the, the stick in there. It's very impressive. It's, well, you know, it's, it, it comes back to the intuition, having something, but I suppose you have a self confidence in, in whatever it is you're using, that's, mm. you know, half the bottle as such. I'm not sure what, where dowsing is going to take me in the other head. I've done healing, I've done Reiki, um, and part of the foundation course was healing for that, and another separate courses uh, for that. But uh, the where it's going to go, I'm not sure. I'm sure dowsing will play some part of my, what I do in the future. But if you're open to it, it'll, as Susan says, it'll happen. Yeah. 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 yeah, you've opened that door. Yeah. Yeah. Just follow the path. Once you've opened it, you can't close it. So I know that as far as a course for BSD, and it's it's kind of, there is, Lum is being based up in North East Scotland and mm. doing a full-time career, so it's a, Lum is a bit, I know there's not very many of the water courses, or there's, there's none planned, I think, for the foreseeable future. Here, no. You know, it's uh, the one that did appeal to me was the, oh, was it the general GPD general purpose? General and practical dowsing. General and practical dowsing. Yeah. I was sort of, yeah. I was kind of thinking that was 
what I need to get yeah. on. Mm. That's kind of, uh, yeah, finding pipes, utilities, you know, yeah. general, missing objects and stuff. Because so. since then, I mean, yeah. I've found the water course and all that, and, and since then, and, and as I've only, when I say dabble is dowsing, and people have, you know, when I spoke about it to people, and they said, right, I'll, I'll hide such and such and a thing, and I know it's going to be used for that, but red rag to bowl and almost out of fear of a fun whatever they've, they've yeah. put within a room or within a house and all that yeah. you know, and, uh, well no, that's uh, fine you know, that's, you know, that's a good practice that stuff that's, I know. that's how we learn you know. I know. Yeah. and that's the important thing and sorry Graham but you don't actually need to go on a course to do that no yeah. I know yeah. I know you don't but it'd be it'd be nice to have something structured and all that and even for your your own but we, that's, that's you why talking this, you were talking this afternoon in the parking lot about Putting a dousing course up here. Yeah. If you were to do that, what would it be? What would it be? Yeah. Well, I teach the foundation courses and uh, the, the whole range of earth energies courses. So, would like a never ever could that, come to that, or that's my special interest. You know, so, yeah. mm. uh, you know I, I don't teach the health courses or the archaeology or the the water. Yeah. I mean, you know, you learn to, to dose for water on the foundation course because that's yeah. what every uh, every dowser starts with. But to get it, you can do the water courses up to professional apprenticeship. See, there's, a, there's a guy up here that's got the fair monopoly really on the, the water side of things, as far as the water companies are not using him. A guy, Neil Much from Aberherder, who's called the Water Money. Right. That's what is the, wa- the, the water money. The water woman. Yeah, just the water man, but the water money. That could be the water woman. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the water woman. We're not doing that. But it is, and uh, you know, for people that are thinking of putting supplies in, if they contact some of the water companies, they tend to use Neil Much right. as the their dozer. And does he have his own Where's equipment? Does he, a, does he have a drilling rig and stuff? He, no, 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 he's a farmer. He just um, does it. He's a retired farmer. He does healing, right. as we all know. But he's, um, but he's a retired farmer. But he's. He's, he tends to sort of be the one that the water company uses, but once again, he'd now be in his, his 80s. Yeah, that's uh, the as problem. Well, I think. That's we problem. need to pass you know. the information. Well, I, I, I wrote to him instead of into it, and I met him at a pink band contest at Turf Show. <laughs> <laughs> I met him, and I, I sort of, you know, but uh, and I, I tried to express how interested I was and would like to sort of glean from his experience. Um, it, it didn't happen, I felt he more just sort of. You know, mm-hmm. I left him to, to make some quantum, but I, I never heard from him again. But, uh, That's the beauty of the BSD, is yeah. it's set up to transfer the knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of practitioners may not want to do that because yeah. he's, he'd be giving away his business. Well, that's right. I mean, he's getting paid for Yeah, uh, why would for, he teach you? That. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's, that's precisely why I wanted that. I thought it would be worth exploring the idea of having a group round here. Yeah. So that we could get out and we could practice and we could learn from one another. Because the way to learn dowsing is to do it. Yeah. I mean, you go to a course and that gives you the, the yeah. enthusiasm and it gives you a little bit of, of, of help and knowledge, because yeah. knowledge is important. But the most important thing is to get out there. But I think it. from a professional dowser sort of thing, if you then have the certificates that are behind you saying that you've got, you know, done this thing that must add some substance to your, you know, your credibility. Mm-hmm. But in order to... And your confidence. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you want to get to the water dowsing, you know, there's a whole lot of more stuff you need to know about to get into yeah, the professional absolutely. level, like geology, yeah, absolutely. all the mechanics of yeah. drilling and all this. Yeah. You know, most of the top water dowsers have their own rigs. Yeah. No, I, I don't imagine that it would end up being a professional water dowsing or that. Yeah. However, I could see, you know, there's more than just finding water that, that local farmers want to find, you know, there's, there's leaks of water and all that. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, agricultural stuff goes on as well. We uh, had a, at our local cricket ground in Methlick uh, last year. They had some leaks on their ground, and Willie yeah. Addy 
get yeah. around and fund leaks. Yeah. You know, to we had we've had a problem with all sorts of things in this field at the back. Um, it's a long story, and I shan't go into all the details. But I did some dowsing, and we found where all the where most of the drains were, yeah. where soakaways were, where um, uh, a pipe from septic tank at the county houses at the back went, and where broken field drains were, and was able to map it all out. And it was actually quite a useful exercise. Mm, Although the farmer concerned didn't necessarily see no. it that way, but that's that's another issue. So. Yeah, but I mean, something else, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of dowsing work going on, uh, more or less behind the scenes, on improving crop yields, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a good like that, that, that interests me. It's taking it that way, looking at yeah. plant growth, yeah, plant growth, yeah. Yeah. it fits in. Remember Patrick Manway talking about, you know, insides, circles, and yeah, yeah. Vermiculite and use of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What does Patrick do with vermiculite? Uh, I told you this. He makes up uh, standing soils with like jars yeah. of vermiculite. Yeah. 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 I wanted to hear that again. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so where in terms of BSD? Did, do you go looking? I mean, obviously, I get the magazine, and there are sometimes various articles that relate to that. But what's the best way, sort of, to gain uh, knowledge yeah, that way? There, How do I go? Well, it's quite a lot of people are doing it. I guess it would probably be the yeah. Atheridges group at the moment. Yeah. There has been a lot of sort of setting up a, a dowsing for gardening course. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, there's quite a lot of quite a lot of interest in that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're thinking about that. Yeah. Charles Hubbard from Canada's got a very good book. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Charles Hubbard. Charles Hubbard, uh, stu- earthstewards.com, earthstewardship.com, something like that. He's got mm. a good book. He's setting up pyramids and all kinds yeah. of things. If you know yeah. yeah, because farmers are always looking for a, just an edge to get a you know, little yeah. increase yeah. of crop yield, just give them that little bit more percentage. Yeah, he's a farmer, so... Yeah. And heat yeah. and things being so enormously important. Yeah. So uh, Billy Gond's a farmer, you know. Um, Where is he in Northern Ireland? He's uh, Temple Patrick. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a sword circle in his back garden. We have plenty around there. Which yeah. has, uh, he says, neutralised the energies in uh, about 30 mile radius, so they neutralised detrimental energies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I had a client there when I was uh, over there. I go over there about once a year. Uh, she had a plot of land that she was planning to build on and uh, she wanted me to go and douse for you know, any uh, geopathic stress stuff. So I took Billy with me. Mm. And Billy said, right, right, right. You know, see if you can find any detrimental energies in here. So I did my dowsing in the field. I couldn't find a thing. You know, nothing in the field. I mean, I found you know, a couple of water lights, so mm. she was looking for somewhere for a water point. But I couldn't find any unhealthy earth energies at all. And Billy's quietly smirking to himself and uh, then he says, yeah, this is just within the 30 mile radius of my stone circle. He's also got a nice little chambered cairn as well. He has a tiny little thing, but the size of this a tea. But, yeah. Does a stone circle go off a, a radius of things that... He says it does, yeah. yeah. But did he set it up with that intent? Yes. Right, yeah. so that's why it does it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's all cited uh, on the intersections of water lines or the edges of water lines. Right. Each stone is at a specific point. You know. mm-hmm. So he, he draws the entire thing. He didn't come up with any geometry in the Alexander Tom sense. Mm-hmm. Just, everything was just those. But it, and it just so happened that he was able to construct a circle over this. It's, well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, so it's a flat double, yeah. But, yeah. Right. but it's pretty good, yeah. Mm-hmm.
Would you need a specific stone to create a circle like that? Uh, I think you just use what you had, you know. Yeah, what you found lying about his land. Mm -hmm. yeah. How big are the stones? Not that big, no. yeah. Quite small. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can you move them on the back hill, you know, JCB. Huh? Yeah. Just take one under each, under each arm. <laughs> <laughs> this business about intention has always intrigued me. I came out at Dowsing a few years back through kinesiology uh -huh. and started to get interested in Dowsing and worked with it for a while and then I realised uh, and I was probably misusing it for I suppose my own amusement and I was getting I realised I was getting the answers I wanted mm -hmm. and that disillusioned me at the time um, so my intention was being projected onto the dowsing and I just wonder how you avoid that and because we talked earlier about intention can change things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how a dowser avoids that temptation. You need to get verification. You, need, you, you want a verification of what you're finding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I quite often find, uh, working professionally, I get a lot of verifications, quite, quite unexpectedly, that something I've doused has been accurate. One example, for instance, I was constructing a labyrinth for a client. Uh, I tell this, this one a lot. This is one of my early days when I wasn't really, I was quite an inexperienced geomancer so then. And I had doused this waterline uh, where I wanted to put a standing stone at the edge of the, the labyrinth, which happened to coincide with the north point. So it was getting a stone anyway, you know, but it happened to be on this waterline. So oh, that's good. So that was uh, late November. And uh, it was July when we finally got around to doing the labyrinth. And I came back and uh, I couldn't find this waterline. I thought, oh, okay, uh, must have misdoused that one in. But what the hell, I'm putting a stone here anyway because it's the north. So I dumped down and uh, about a foot down, I came across a field drain, plastic mm. pipe. So, of course, in November, mm -hmm. it was flowing. In the summer, it was dry, you know. So that was a, a verification for me that uh, A, I was finding water, but B, my intent wasn't focused enough on an underground water vein, you know, because I'd actually managed to uh, pick up a drain. So. so you get little things like that. Sometimes if you're working with uh, other health practitioners, like I work quite often with a chap who uses an Asira machine, uh, Patrick knows them as well, uh, which is one of these, you know, uh, things like a Vega machine that uh, tests for uh, various body, bodily systems. And they often pick up on geopathic stress or, or will attune the machine to register geopathic stress. So you often get referrals from them and then uh, your client will go back to them and get tested again and test clear. Uh, Adrian's got a very good chart of this in a Vega machine but before and after and okay. all the levels went down. I don't know if you showed that in his course. No, I don't think you did. Yeah, he's got, he's got a very good uh, result on that one. Uh, other verifications you can get more directly are from like uh, muscle testing. Which uh, Joey uses. Billy Gone's very big on that. You know, you can stand somebody on a water line and muscle test them and show them the weak and you know, mm. take them off and they'll test strong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Was there something in what you were asking, William, also about the being able to not care what answer you get? Yeah, I find it was difficult for me to suspend my judgment of yeah, what I was hard. projecting onto the particular situation. Yeah. And that was affecting then the result I got. And I came to the conclusion, well, you just don't make a good dowser because you can't 
I have difficulty suspending that sort of yeah. judgment and thinking, well, this is the outcome I would like, this is what I think is there, therefore this is what will be there. <laughs> the intention, you see. That's yeah. the monkey brain, though. That's the left yeah. brain kicking in, you know. Yeah. You've got yeah. to get over that, yeah. Yeah, but I suppose some people are better. And I've seen it with healers who work hugely, you know, the best years work on intuition. Yeah. They can suspend that, yeah. that, that conscious mind judgment. Yeah. And just work on that pure intuition. The more you do it, you know, the better it becomes, yeah. the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's back to what we said before, it's it's practice and focus and yeah. discipline. Yeah. I use yeah. uh, referring to my handout, uh, this dosing protocol, page one and two, is yeah. what I use to distance myself so that I can be ignorant and apathetic. Yeah. So I never just pick up a pendulum and begin to dose. I take myself through a series of steps which yeah. I've uh, put, put down here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting into the zone, basically, is, is the yeah. trick. Yeah. How do you get there? Yeah. yeah, how do you get there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Great, Susan. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's in the little book. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. And I say you need to be ignorant and apathetic. Dancing yeah. works best. <laughs> yes from a place of ignorance and apathy. You don't know the answer and you don't care. Yeah. Uh -huh. And if you can't get to that place, then you shouldn't be dosing it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I realized, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Joey, Joey also says, if, if dosing the wrong answer would be a problem, don't dose it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> if getting it wrong yeah. would be a problem, don't go there. And this is why uh, children are such natural good dozers, you know, because they have that sort of childlike innocence. Yeah. You know, they don't really know it's all exciting and new, so it's yeah. trying to get back to that state, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Do mm -hmm. you do spoon bending? Do I do spoon bending? Mm -hmm. uh, no. No? Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. If you can get to the place of being childlike, yeah. you can do it. Have you done that? No. No? <laughs> get the spoons. <laughs> <laughs> but spoons will bend. I have done that. And the lighter than you, feather, have you done that? Are you offering with? a demonstration, Susan? I don't think so, thank you. The best. Oh, I've seen that with the, uh, yeah, yeah, with the limitations. Yeah, yeah, limitations. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that done. Yeah, yeah I've done that. Yeah. What was that? I mean, lifting a, lifting a person. That levitation of Graham on a chair with four fingers. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Four of us. Yeah. I've been part of one of those. Yeah. It's quite amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. And then the, you, with the same token, get some cheap spoons and, yeah. and you just become a child. It's possible. It's as if it's possible. And yeah. it just goes. Yeah. We started, we did an exercise at the American Society of Dozers. You get the spoon, and first you put it on your nose and you let it hang there. And you rub it on your forehead. And you sort of get a bit silly with it. And then uh, just kind of spin it. And that's it. <laughs> okay, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, as at that point, Simon produced some of his wonderful homemade vegan ice cream and uh, nothing else sensible was said for the rest of the evening. Hmm, I might have to try that spoon-bending exercise at this year's BSD conference. I can just imagine the scene in the dining hall. Uh, but that's it for this episode. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the society, and to find out how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. If you can do spoon-bending or have any other mysterious powers you'd like us to know about, send us an email, podcast at britishdowsers.org. You can also check out our forum, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Many thanks to Hilary Brooks, Ian Pegler, and Not For Pussies for the music. And be sure to join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing. <laughs>